0: Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. All right, grab your Bibles, open up to Psalm 109. Psalm 109, either the hard copy you brought with you or on your electronic device. Uh, whatever works, uh, there is Bibles in front of you in the pew holder, or you can just uh, get close to someone and you can cheat off them. That's totally fine. We totally accept that tonight. So Psalm 109, we're going to be there in just a few moments. All right? So we've been walking through the Lord's prayer because Jesus is teaching us how to pray again, just as by way of reminder, His disciples ask Him one thing. their life that's recorded for us. It's not how to teach, not how to do miracles, it's how to pray. And so we're walking through Jesus' instructions to His disciples, those who belong to Him, which if you're here a believer, this is for you tonight. And if you're not a believer, at the end of our time together, you're going to have an opportunity to make a commitment to invite Christ into your life. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And this, that we talk about tonight, will become a reality in your life. So if we've been walking through this prayer, we're getting towards the end of it. And so we're in verse 12 in Matthew chapter 6, which is where we're going through, but stay in Psalm 109. Uh, but uh, verse 12 says, um, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. All right, And so there's so much packed into this verse, we split it into two parts. Last week we talked about the first part, forgive us our debts. And very quickly, by way of reminder uh, and way of review, Uh, this is something that Jesus is saying, listen, you need to ask God for forgiveness. Now again, this is a relationship prayer, okay, because it's our Father. So it's for those who have a relationship with God. And as we talked about last week, it's important for us in order to interpret that correctly, to understand it correctly, it's important for us to understand our position in Christ. Once you become a believer, once you invite Christ into your life, a number of spectacular things happen in your life, and one of those things is recorded for us in Colossians 2:13 through 14. We went over this at length last week, just real quick. It Says, "When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So when we come to Christ, Jesus died for sin on the cross, one time for all sins." And so when we come to Him, He forgives us all our sins. That's what that passage tells us, all our sins. Not some, not most, all, past, present, future, all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. We become in debt to God through our sin, okay? We are born sinners, sinners by birth, sinners by choice. We become indebted to God. We break His law, and so we owe God a debt. And I used this last week, if you remember. It says, imagine all of your sins are recorded in this book. All of your sins past present and future all of them these all represent the debt the charges against you that god holds against you now you can someone's got to pay for these because god's a god of justice so either you're going to pay for them yourself uh, in hell because an eternal uh, sin requires an eternal payment or you can let jesus do it for you and that's why he died on the cross and so when we come to christ he paid for our debt and he takes That's why he says it is finished. means paid in full. And he took that and stamped it on our account, so that now, as a believer, all your debts are paid by God, through Christ. Paid. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when Satan comes to you, by the way, when he comes to you and he tries to hammer you and beat you up for your failures, for your sins... You need to remind yourself and Him what is true. And what is true is you can say, hey, you know what, Satan, the stuff you're talking about, Jesus already paid for that debt. I don't owe it anymore. God is satisfied with that. So guess what? You got nothing to talk to me about. See ya. All right? We can do that in the authority of God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He paid for all of our debts. So now when we say, forgive us our debts, that has to do not with our eternal salvation. That has to do with our intimacy with the Lord, with our fellowship. Bottom line, we serve a God who forgives and forgives completely. It is amazing and spectacular, and we should be in awe of that fact because that is what is true. And so now once we understand this, once we get it, then we are in the right spot to move on to the second half of this prayer, which says, Forgive us our debtors or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, on the forgiveness continuum, it's a big continuum. We all land there, you know, at different times in our lives. You know, I mean, you've got, first of all, you've got the, you know, the little stuff that happens to us that we just need to get over. And we just need to forgive somebody. Right. Because Proverbs 19, says it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes it's like it doesn't matter. You know, it's not that important. I'm just going to overlook it, right? If you're, how many husbands we have in the crowd tonight? How many husbands? How many of you know that you can win an argument and still lose? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of the wives are going, yeah, get your hand up. Yeah, right. We, under- we understand that. And sometimes we just need to go, okay, this is stupid. This is not worth it. And I'm just going to overlook it. The Bible tells us that that's a good thing. You know, so there's some things in our lives that happen. We just need to come. Then you've got a situation where, You know, uh, somebody hurts you and you're all offended and they have no idea that they've hurt you. You're hanging on to unforgiveness and bitterness and they have no clue that they've done anything to you. And then you've got someone who hurts you and doesn't care. And then you've got the person who hurts you, not only does he doesn't care, he's not sorry for it. And then you've got the person who doesn't care, he's hurt you, he doesn't care, not sorry for it, uh, and actually glad about it, actually glad that they did it to you, all right? And what's worse is that that person often, nothing happens to them. And yet your life, man, you are hurt, and there is stuff going on, your life is greatly impacted. And you're sitting there right now going, Wes, you, you, God expects me to forgive that person? Well, let's find out. Let's find out. First of all, let's talk about what forgiveness is not, okay? Forgiveness is not denying it, okay? You don't deny the hurt. You don't deny what happened to you. You don't ignore it. You don't act like it's no big deal. If it hurts you, it's a big deal, okay? You don't ignore it. You don't stuff it down like, hey, you know what, I'm going to stuff my feelings inside and all my anger and I'm going to just stuff it down and it's going to be all right and I'm going to work it out you know and that that never works you, you know you burn up from the inside out and forgiveness is also not an emotion it's not an emotion it's like well when i feel like forgiving i'll forgive it's not an emotion all right that's not that's not what it is forgiveness also doesn't equal a restored relationship okay some people think oh you got when you when i forgive someone then that means you know our relationship is restored not necessarily That's not necessarily true, okay? It doesn't equal restored trust. Trust takes time to be rebuilt. Sometimes boundaries have to be put in place, you know, depending on the situation, all right? So forgiveness is not those things. So what is it? Let me give you a definition I found to be very helpful. It says this, Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from a debt to you that is a result of a wrong done to you. It's the act of setting someone free from a debt to you It's a result of something, a wrong, that's been done to you. Forgiveness is a decision of the will. It is a choice of obedience. And it is a response to a command of God. As we walk through this here tonight, we're going to see that God is real serious about us forgiving folks. Colossians 3.13 says this, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When did the Lord forgive you? He forgave you because of Christ. He forgave you perfectly and He forgave you before you even asked for it. Jesus paid for your sin for your price before you even asked for it. Here's the good news for us. We are not dependent on someone else, okay, in order for us to forgive them. We are not dependent on their actions in order for us to choose to forgive. God commands forgiveness. He wants us to forgive. He says this is, Is really, really important, so I'm going to command it. Why? Well, one, because unforgiveness hurts our relationship with God. Unforgiveness is a sin. So if we hang on to a sin, sin separates, it creates distance in our intimacy with God. Familiar verse, Psalm 66. 18. Psalm 66, 18 says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Not that he can't hear me, that he won't hear me. If I regard, that means I know it, I'm protecting it, okay, I'm nurturing it, this wrong thing, this sin, that's what I'm doing. That says I'm not going to hear you because you're hanging on to something, you're running after something that is opposite of me. There's creating distance there. You can't You and I can't actively rebel against God and be close to God. You can't. You can't run towards God and towards sin at the same time. It doesn't work. So unforgiveness damages and hurts our our intimacy and our relationship with God. It also hurts you. It hurts me. My unforgiveness hurts me. You know why? Because if I don't forgive someone, then I allow that hurt and the person who caused that hurt to park right in the center of my life. And I'm going to carry that around with me into every other situation and, most importantly, into every other relationship. That baggage comes with me. And so often, we think we're punishing the other person. I'm not going to forgive you. You know what? Most of the time, they don't care. They don't care. And so we're punishing ourselves. We're punching ourselves in the face. Not a good plan, ever. Try it tonight. See how that works out for you. Go home and punch yourself in the face. See how that works. It's not going to work good, right? It doesn't work good. Right? It, we hurt ourselves. Listen, forgiveness frees us. When I choose to forgive, it frees me from the jail of bitterness and resentment. Otherwise, I stay chained to that hurt and to that person for a long time until I forgive. Unforgiveness hurts me. It hurts my relationship with God, it hurts me. And forgiveness helps me to learn how to forgive. I know that might sound obvious, but think about it. How else do you learn forgiveness? unless something has been done to you that you need to forgive, right? God will use those who sin against us to help us learn how to forgive. And you and I know this is true. We know this is true. How critical the whole ability of forgiveness is in any other important relationship. You cannot name me one human relationship that you value that forgiveness is not important. Marriage, for example. I've heard it said this way. Marriage is a union of two really good forgivers. I believe that that's true. I believe it's true. So we could go on about the benefits of forgiveness and and the tragedy of unforgiveness because the Bible says a lot about it. But I want us to move to the practical point. How do we do it? How do you forgive someone who's hurt you and has caused real pain in your life? How do you do it? it? Let me give you four things that have been helpful to me. Four things. One, first thing is you have to identify the debt. Identify the debt. You owed me blank. How would you fill that in? What have they done? What did this person do that caused the hurt? What is behind your anger? What is causing you anger? What is causing you bitterness? What is it that was done to you? Identify that debt. Write it down. Name it. You have to get specific. Because that cuts through the fog of our emotion. All right? It helps us clarify the issue. That's why, like we talked about last week, confession means to say the same thing as what God says about our sin. We have to get specific because that's when you can deal with something. That's when it has teeth. That's when it has staying power. And it sticks because you identify it specifically. So first of all, you have to identify that thing. Identify the debt. Secondly, you take it to God. You take it to God. You take your anger, you take your your frustration, your bitterness, your angst, whatever, and you take it to God. One of the things I love about the Bible is that God honors our emotions, all emotions. He made us as emotional beings, right? It's not a surprise to Him that we have these emotions. And He, through the inspiration of the writers, has recorded for us in His Word Times when people just let it rip before God. I mean, they did not hold back. Which, by the way, that's a smart thing to do. You know why? God already knows how you feel. You're not hiding anything from Him. God won't know this. Yes, He does. How many fingers do I have behind my back? He knows, alright? He knows things because He's God. He knows all things. And so to hide something from Him is just foolish. Right? We just hurt ourselves in that. So I love that the Bible has recorded for us times when people just pour out their anger and they pour out their angst and they just pour it out before the Lord. Psalm 109 is one of those places. Written by David. Let me walk it through real quick with us together. Starting in verse 1, Psalm 109 says this, O God whom I praise, do not remain silent. For wicked and deceitful men have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues, with words of hatred. They surround me, they attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me, but I'm a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Stop right there. First thing David is doing, he's naming it. He's naming what's been done. He's very specific about it, right? He names, this is what has been done to me. This is the debt. Here it is. This is the action. This is what's happened to me. And then he just lets it roll, man. I mean, he just... Verse 6, follow along. This is, what, this is a prayer, by the way. This is a prayer. Appoint an evil man to oppose him. The person who did all this to me. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless. In other words, kill him. And his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. Do you feel the heat, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, he keeps going. 11. May a creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. Not be remembered before the Lord, but only the iniquities be remembered. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before the Lord, that He may cut off the memory of them from the earth. Whew. Wonder how David's really feeling. It's a prayer. This is a prayer. How many of you have ever taught your kids to pray like this? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine me and Connie, with, here's little Dylan. You know, little Dylan, he's, uh, he's getting ready to pray. I'm like, hey, Dylan, why don't you pray tonight? Go, okay. Dear Lord, please bless mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa. And for that boy who bullies me in school, I pray that he'll get run over by a tractor. (laughs) And that his families will be eaten by wild poodles. Right? I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, seriously. But that's kind of what's going on here, man. David is not mincing words. He is just letting it roar. Why in the world would God be okay with this? Couple reasons. One, he's not afraid of your honest emotions. And he says, Bring them to me. Process your hurt and your anger with me first. God says, Bring it to me. Lay it all out. Empty everything on the table. Because something happens to David. We don't know how long it took for him to write this, it might have been in one sitting. You know, or maybe he had to go out and get a drink or two and and shower, you know, in a cold shower because he's so heated. But when he comes back, look at verse 21. But you, O sovereign Lord, deal well with me for your name's sake. Out of the goodness of your love, deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. David goes from identifying the action. And just saying, God, bring your justice and your wrath and your punishment on them. And by the way, God, if you're not sure how to do it, here are my ideas, right? That's what he's praying here. It goes from that to, but I'm poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. He goes beyond the action to, hey, this is what's really going on inside. And he gets real honest with God about it and he realizes the wound That has been there. He's not hiding it. He's not covering it up. He's not ignoring it. He's actually putting his finger on it. He's putting his finger on it. He says, I fade away like an evening shadow. I'm shaken off like a locust. He's like, Lord, I need you. I need you. Look at verse 26. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me in accordance with your love. Do you feel the turn? Do you feel the turn? Why is that happening? Because he poured it all out before the Lord. He's given God space in his heart and open to the Lord, dealing with him and redirecting some things in him. I mean, if he, hang on, if he hangs on to that anger, that's going to just destroy him. Destroy him. That bitterness will destroy him. He pours it out. He gives God space to start work in his heart. And look at how it ends. Look at verse 30. It says, With my mouth I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng, I will praise Him. Nothing in His circumstances have changed, but His focus has. With my mouth, I will. That's a choice. I will greatly extol the Lord. And look at this. In the great throng, I will praise Him. In the great throng. You know what that means? You need to get people around you that love God and that will encourage you towards Him. When you're hurting, You need to get people around you that love God and will encourage you towards Him. In the great throng, I'm sure that has to do with the temple. I'm sure that has to do with the temple. That's why church, one of many reasons why God created the church and why church and gathering together is important. To be around people that that love God, care about you, can help you tell the truth. Because sometimes, if you're like me, And when you're in the midst of of emotions that are just all over the place, it's hard to see clearly. It's hard to see the truth and the enemy is right there cheering you on in the wrong direction. In the great throng, I will praise him. Verse 31, For he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save his life from those who condemn him. To save his life from those who condemn him. He looks to God. He looks to God. First thing, identify the debt. Name it, be specific. Take your anger, take it all to the Lord. Third, remember the forgiveness that God gave you. Remember the forgiveness that God gave you as a believer. Listen, until we are overwhelmed, until we are overwhelmed with the forgiveness that God has given us, we will have a hard time forgiving somebody else. It's a familiar parable, let me just read it for us. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35, says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? He thought he was being generous there. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times, or seventy times seven, depends on, on your translation. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold By the way, that was impossible. That's a debt that's astronomical, billions of dollars. It was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. First of all, that's impossible. That was never, ever going to happen. The master knew that. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Can you imagine how he felt? How would you feel? But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, small amount. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Guy's serious. Seriously aggressive. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant. What had happened to that guy and the debt that had been canceled never affected his heart. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Here's verse 35. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Think Jesus is serious about forgiveness? Think God's serious about forgiveness? This is how my Heavenly Father is going to treat you. He's going to hand you over to the tormentors. Is that physical torment? No. Most likely it's going to be internal torment. He's going to let Anger and bitterness and resentment have His way with you. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. That means it's for real. Again, until we are in awe of what God has forgiven us of, we're going to have a hard time forgiving other people. But man, when we see and we understand what God has done for us and we put it up against the hurt that we're feeling from someone else. It's just like, imagine God was standing right there. And the person who hurt you is standing right next to God. And God goes, you deserve hell. Here it is. Here are all the flames. Here's, here's everything right there. But you know what? For Jesus' sake, I'm going to forgive you. And then you look at the person next to God and go, you give me what you owe me. I'm never going to forgive you. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But that is what we do. That is what I do. When we don't forgive, when I don't forgive. Fourth thing. Fourth thing is after you remember God's forgiveness of you, remember your own forgiveness. The Fourth thing is you turn it all over to God and close the book. You turn it all over to God and close the book. You've written down, you owed me blank. You should have done blank. I expected blank. But you know what? You don't owe me anymore. And close the book. Listen to Romans 12.19. Romans 12.19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God's wrath. That's a pretty strong word. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. That's a promise. Not I might, not I could. I will repay. I've heard it put this way. You take them off of your hook and you put them on God's hook. I will repay. You don't nurture it, you don't rehearse it. I mean, if you're like me, when someone's hurt me and they don't care and they're happy about it and and I'm just I mean, I have that conversation with that person a hundred times in my car as I'm driving different places, right? All of you are looking at me like, you are such a sinner, Wes. Thank you. You guys have done the same thing. Come on, right? Don't rehearse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Release it. Release it it to the Lord. Say, God, listen, and it's, it's, it's an event and it's a process. It's an event. Forgiveness is an event, but it also is an ongoing process in our lives. We have to remember how it's done to us. Done for us. Listen, we said from the very beginning when we started this church in January that we weren't going to be a church that's all about being slick and, you know, produced and programmed and we're here to impress anybody. We're going to be a, a place where people can gather because I love Jesus and we have a shared desire to get to know Him better through His Word and to help others to get to know Him. That we're going to come with all of our messed up parts. And we weren't going to sit in that and be the same, but we were going to move forward and be healed and be transformed and be helped and be encouraged. And we we're going to be real. So allow me to be real. This is a really hard message for me. It's just, it's, it was a tough one for me. Uh, and I needed it. I need it. I probably need it more than any of you, to be honest. Because for the last two and a half years, I have wrestled for what's been done to me and my wife and my kids by so-called Christians and Christian leaders and all that stuff. And I could go on and on and I don't need to. And that's not what's important. But for forgiveness. yeah, Forgiveness has been hard for me. And, uh, and God has convicted me of it. And I'm like, God, I need your help. I got I to gotta have your help. man, Because uh, there are days... When I go back to Psalm one oh nine, yeah, I'm tempted to go right back there and start praying that and say, Come on, God, bring on those wild poodles. I'm ready. I'm ready, right? And you and I both know that that's not right. And it's not good. And unforgiveness only hurts people I care most about. And the enemy loves unforgiveness. He loves it. He loves what what God hates. And if I hang on to unforgiveness, I'm giving him a reason to celebrate. I'm giving the enemy a reason to celebrate. Why the heck would I want to do that? And so here's the good news. Is that when we pray and ask God to help us to forgive, we are asking for something that he wants to help us do. We are asking for his will. And remember 1 John 5, 14, 15, we walk through it together. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the requests That we've asked of him that means that when we pray according to God's will we can be confident that he's going to answer that he's going to be active in answering that prayer for us because it's what he wants for us so when you and I, I when we pray and ask God to help us to forgive we make a decision but God I need your help because on our own we won't be able to do it but supernaturally we can God says I'm going to help you do that you're not on your own to try and figure that out I'm going to help you do that and he will it will. You know what? When you understand what Jesus has done for you, it doesn't make forgiveness easy. But it makes it possible. It, make it, it makes it a possible reality in our lives. And here's the bottom line for all of us. We forgive not because someone deserves our forgiveness. We forgive because Jesus deserves our obedience. That's why we forgive. We forgive not because someone deserves our forgiveness but because Jesus deserves our obedience. That's what's real. That's what's true. So Jesus says, pray for it. I'll answer. Let's pray together. Heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just take a moment. Whatever God talked to you about, man, talk to him. Just talk to him. He loves you. He brought you here to speak to you. Tried to be as honest and real as I can. I will always be that. Because I'm in process just like you are. And we are all humble before the God who loves us. And we need to be in awe of his forgiveness. Because it is real. Real. And it's what helps us to forgive others. Whatever God talked to you about, take a moment, just talk to Him. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, man, I want you to know Jesus. Better yet, He wants you to know Him. He doesn't want you to spend an eternity separated from Him. place of justice and judgment. He wants you to be in a relationship with Him, Forever. It's called eternal life. It's available to you if you're like, it's what I want, Wes. It's what I want. How do I do that? Let me encourage you. Just pray this prayer after me, not out loud, in your heart. Mean these words as your own. They're not magic. It's just a way that God's given us to voice our heart to Him. Just silently just pray something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe you died for me, that you have eternal life to give me, and I want that. I want you. So right now, I turn from my sin, I repent, I don't want that anymore. I turn to you, I believe in you, so come into my life right now, save me, forgive me of my sins, I am all yours. Heads about eyes closed, no one looking around. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to remember you in a closing prayer. So I'm just going to ask you with no one looking around but me, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Say, Wes, I prayed it. I meant it. Pray for me, man. I'm in. God spoke to me. I'm in. Just gave my life to Jesus. For real. Pray for me. That's you. Just pop your hand up. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the privilege of being together in this place. Lord, thank you for your truth. God, forgiveness is, is hard. Sometimes it's brutally hard. You know that. And we're so grateful that you do. So we don't have to play games. We don't have to hide from you. Lord, first I would ask for each one of us that you would overwhelm us with the reality of your forgiveness for us. May we be moved. May we be gripped by it, God. And Lord, with that as a backdrop, help us to forgive those around us who hurt us. Lord, help us to honor you because you deserve it. Thank you, Christ. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.